count us in <clears throat> or whatever. Whatever the hell you do, professional. Yeah, because I'm professional. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Blazers Edge podcast. We're doing a, uh, a special event podcast here. We've got world exclusive. World it's a, exclusive. It's a round table. It's, it's a round, a, round or a rectangular. It is rectangular, not square. I need to learn my shapes again. Uh, as always, I'm here, Danny Morang. I am not joined by my illustrious co-host, Tara Bond Biggs. She's out traveling the world or the country, something, working. But we do have also illustrious? Sure. Shiny, sure. shiny-headed <laughs> Dave Dufour here. From that, that would be luster. L- luster, yeah. luster-headed. There we go. And Portland local. And I don't know, what, what do we call you now, Sean? Am I illustrious? Are you, you, do I get to be illustrious? Well, you don't have the glow that Dave that's true. That is true. That is true. <laughs> the, the fantastic Sean Aiken. That's debatable, but I'll, I'll take it. I'll go with it. <laughs> but we have a special edition podcast here because a bunch of folks are coming to town for Hoop Summit. We'll probably touch on that a little bit. And we're recording this on Sunday night, so we just had a awful, awful loss to the Spurs, which we'll touch on a little bit. But I think there's, there's some broader stuff I think we need to get into more when we get into the... You know what? Screw that. Let's jump into the Spurs game because we all sat there and... Well, at least you and I, Sean, sat there and were like, we really need the Blazers to win this game to kind of make this easier. Well, Dave, the um, self-avowed? No, no. Self-denying Spurs? I'm not self-denying at all. Spurs Listen, fan? I root for chaos, <laughs> so I was rooting against the Trailblazers there because, um, you know, I, I basically, I want every team right now that's battling for a playoff spot to continue to battle because I want – Wednesday night, the last night of the season, to actually mean something. To actually mean something. I also want to just clarify kind of something about it, a different perspectives here. <laughs> I'm I grew up in Portland. I grew up a big Blazers fan. Having done this professionally for however many years, like the fandom is kind of gone from me now. I'm entirely rooted. <laughs> you're, you're empty, void, and dead. I exactly. I'm totally dead inside. But I'm kind of. I'm I'm I I need the Blazers to get the three seed because that's their easier path for them to be here longer, which to be in the playoffs longer, which means there's more for me to cover here. Yeah. So that's so I'm I, I'm entirely self interested. Oh, I'm all about that. Dave, remind me where is it again that you're moving to? Moving to San Antonio, Texas. <laughs> it's completely unrelated. On an unrelated like, note, it's not like I'm moving there because I you know love the Spurs so much. All right, so where did we where did we start last night? I think the, the, the beginning of the obviously is Jamie Lillard making his return. Um, I, I don't know your guys' views on this, but I was scared to death of him coming back because every time he comes back, it's always one of those things that it comes a nagging injury. This time of year is the last thing you want to see. And with Dame, the only thing that dude ever injures is feet and ankles. So when he has that issue, it's kind of like, uh, can we not? But I think it kind of shows how important. That game was last night because if they win that game, as you're talking about, Sean, like that kind of nails the third seed down. It's not a hundred percent, but man, that that goes a long way. Well, it comes down to like you know that th- they weren't able to capitalize. They had this opportunity in the other, like you know, even even before Dane got hurt, like they should have beaten Dallas. Yep, because Dallas is let's not op- forget that awful loss. Dallas is openly tanking. You know that that's uh like that that's just a game that the Blazers should win since they're still like fighting for a playoff seed or whatever, and then. Uh, the other night in Houston, when Dame was out, they still almost came back and won. And, you know, Chris Paul hits that floater, you know, with five seconds left to, to, to seal it for them. But if the Blazers had won one of those two games, they can probably afford to sit Dame for this game because it's not as much of a must win. So I feel like them losing that, you know, dropping that game in Houston, dropping the game in Dallas, you know, one of those two. Now, now if they had won one of those two games, they're in a much more solid footing for locking up that three seed. I still think they're ultimately going to stay in the three seed. But, you know, they have to basically, you know, either win out or they have to at least beat Utah on Wednesday. But I, you know, I think I think it definitely like them not winning one of those two games forced the issue a little bit. And now Dame, you know, Dame came back. and They're just like, okay, we, need, out. we need to bring Dame back here to, you know, see, get this win against the Spurs who still don't have Kawhi Leonard. Like, they're, you know, they're still kind of shorthanded. They, you know, they're still they feel like they're beatable. But now, like losing this game now, it really comes down. They really need this game against Denver. And Denver needs this game. Right, right. But actually, Sean and I, it's funny, we were just talking about uh, whether whether the Blazers would risk sitting Dame against Denver tomorrow to give him a game off so that he's ready for Wednesday. Because, I mean, you know, they need to win one of the next two. But 
if they win Wednesday, it does the same thing as winning tomorrow. So, I mean, I think Dame sits one of these two games, no matter what. It's do you sit him now so he's not playing, you know, you know, two games in a row, or do you let him sit to, travel, to get extra playing. days? Yeah. Right. Um, I, I think it's tricky, but... Um, Denver's I, not going to have Harris. Right. So, I mean, if you're looking at, like, that silver lining, like, maybe we can get away with this. Like, if you think you, 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 like, you think they'd have an easier time beating the Nuggets without Dane and the Jazz. Yo, God, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that goes without saying. I mean, everybody, anybody who's been listening to the podcast this year knows where I sit on Donovan Mitchell. So, And just so you know, we're joined by the second biggest Donovan Mitchell stand, Dave DeFore, because he's going to try and claim that title, but it's mine. Yeah, sure. We're, and actually, there are Donovan Mitchell highlights <laughs> I'm rolling on right in now. the background. And I was <laughs> like, we, were just, we, were just, we have NBA TV on in the background here. And spoken to existence. Donovan Mitchell is a, just a monster. Going off against the Lakers. A against monster. the extremely shorthanded Lakers. <laughs> yeah. So like I will I will say as somebody who was uh right was uh to, you know talk you know talk we were just talking about like our rooting interest in this and my entirely self motivated rooting interest I was a pretty big Lakers fan today because I really needed them to beat you <laughs> so like seriously it's like the Lakers knew it and they're like screw you for right see so, yeah, I I I kind of don't respect that at all I feel like they kind of they, they should be like you know we want to mess up these playoff teams if we're not yeah. gonna make the playoffs like we should try to spoiler. Yeah, exactly. Like, no, I feel like if I were on a team, if I were one of these these guys on a team like this, like that, you know, you're already eliminated from playoff contention, you should just be like, no, screw you guys. We're not just going to roll over just because you guys need to get in the playoffs. Especially one of these young cats. Quick especially especially quick because the Lakers are too good to be in the race with like Phoenix and Memphis and Sacramento for the worst record. Like, yeah. if they're they're just kind of in that middle, they're going to end up with like the eighth, ninth, tenth pick, no matter what. Why not try to mess up some of these playoff teams? Is Ricky Rubio wearing eyeliner? He's very Jared Leto. It's it's yeah okay. That, that that's okay. <laughs> so for anybody else who's wondering, it, it, just scroll back and watch Ricky Rubio's interview from NBA TV tonight because it's it's wonderful. Speaking of, of wonderful things, Dame did play, and Dame went Dame. Yeah, Dame did Dame, Dame things. He looked the ankle looked okay. I think he ended with four threes in the first quarter. Yeah. I know I know he started three of five. I think he hit one more before the buzzer went off, but he ended up six of twelve from three, eleven of twenty two from the field, seven turnovers is a little sloppy. But I think that's a, a both, you know, a nod to the Spurs pressure. And you know, we won't really talk about the officiating in that game. Um, the lack of fouls called um, and generating free throws by the Blazers. But otherwise, Dame did Dame things. I think we've come to expect that. He had a little yeah. bit of a rough patch there for probably two weeks after that absolutely nutty two-month-long run. So Dame's back to doing Dame things, right? Which, We're well kind and of, like this is you know just in time for, for the playoffs because yeah. that's 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 the Blazers you know key to Ramp especially up. let's say they get past the first round the only way you're going to beat the Warriors is by outscoring them and so yeah. you have to have Dame and CJ doing what they do at their best. It's uh, Sean out here doing segues, right? Well, you know, and I actually think the the playoffs, this playoffs in particular, is so important for this team. I think they need to win the first round. I mean, it's it's great that they're going to be the three or four seed. I really think they need to win a first-round series. And, you know, they could wind up playing the Pelicans, who have played them tough this year. The Spurs, who you are know, always tough. Always yeah. tough. Um, Minnesota. Minnesota, OKC, or Denver. Uh, none of these are great matchups. I, I'd argue Denver's a great matchup just because I there's something there, I think, on the mental level where – you know, you, know, you know Nurkic is Nurkic. Nurkic. Yeah, yeah, Nurkic can right. get up for that. Listen, Jokic had the one good game. Jokic, and this is not Jokic slander. Jokic sure. is a fantastic player. We're all team Jokic here, yeah, right? We, we are. Yeah, yeah. But Nurk has something special for him. And Jokic got him once this season. But Nurk has had his bag against him right. every single but time. Nobody wants to see Jimmy Butler come into Portland. Portland does not want to no. see Jimmy Butler. The Jimmy Butler, Andrew Wiggins right. is, is a physical nightmare. I'm not that worried about the Timberwolves. What what Minnesota's been able to do to them with that size and just punish them endlessly? I, I know there's other Their defense is so on. bad outside of Jimmy, though. I and like you know, I also I you know haven't been impressed with Wiggins that, that much this year. I think it I mean it's really going to come down to like so so where do we know Dan? You're more plugged in with like the day to day Blazer stuff than I am, but. What is I, I know we saw earlier that Ed that, uh, Ed Davis is supposed to be available yep. tomorrow. What's what's the deal with Harkless? Are you going to be back for the playoffs? That's the thing with this injury. And when, when it first happened, this is what scared me because I've I've had the surgery done. I, I've had the loose body removed, 
It's, There's no such thing as a minor knee surgery. Yeah, and we found out with Kyrie Irving where it seemed like it was going to be a minor thing, and then oh, despite, yeah, five months. Despite what you may have read yeah. on the internet. Yeah. So um, anytime they they, they <laughs> basketball Twitter people who think they're doctors. Yeah. Yes. And and that's why I always err on the side of cautions. Anytime you're you're getting your knee cut open because things can go wrong very 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 easily. Um, with with that injury, um, I've seen a few people. There was, a, there was something that put out in the Oregonian about a week ago talking about how. Um, the doctor himself, or what, not the doctor performing, but another doctor who's, who's performed the surgery and also has, you know, had it done to himself. It took him like three weeks to come back from it. This isn't a high level athlete. I mean, there's, there's other things at, at play here, but it's about range of motion. It's about flexibility. It's about, you know, being able to play on it with a comfort level. There's a lot of things that go into that. And if he's not right, he's just not right. And you don't want to, and this is a little bit of hyperbole, but you don't want to Brandon Royum. And even every, you know, and even, you know, even if like on paper, yeah, this, this injury is supposed to be just like a two or three week thing. Every individual body is different. Like you yeah. saw, you know, Kawhi Leonard and Tony Parker basically had the same, maybe like, like Tony's was a hundred times different, worse, different varieties. Well, well, right. But so Tony's a was, was a more severe tear and he's about 10 years older than Kawhi. And he has been back for most of the season and looked fine. Mm-hmm. And Kawhi, who is 10 years younger or eight years younger or whatever the age difference is. And and athletically, yeah, and his yeah. injury was on paper not as severe, and he hasn't been able to come back basically all year. Yeah. So, like, you can really never predict this stuff. I mean, that, that is one thing, and I mean, I realize, you know, Jimmy Butler is a gamer, and he's tough. You know, I covered him for 40 years in Chicago. Yeah. He's That's just kind of how he's wired, but I'm... Him coming back from this, you know, this meniscus injury, and I mean, I know, like, Russ has had this version of that surgery, and he's come back, and he's been fine, but, uh, you know, with how with how many minutes Jimmy plays and how hard he goes, all of that, I'm a little worried about that. That, that, that's that's legit concern, but I think even for, for the Portland side of things, if Harkless is ready, you play him. If he's not ready, you don't you don't risk it. You just don't because the long lasting effects, what could possibly happen? I, I get. I mean, for you I, guys, I, I hope players start looking at what well, happened to Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. Last year, and I mean, of course, like he had some other stuff that was off the court that was horrific, and I mean, he even said recently that he didn't regret playing because it helped him get through, through the that. death yes. of his right. and that's and that in the grand scheme of his life is going to be more important uh, yes but at the same time that man cost himself a lot of money by going out there and playing yeah. for a team that wound up dumping him i mean it's a business right um so you know i always and, and dan and i talk about this all the time man i like with the Kawhi leonard situation we've all three of us our team get your back yeah yeah get paid but also and take care of yourself yeah. so you can get paid yeah uh, if, if an athlete doesn't feel right he shouldn't play Plain and simple. I agree. I mean, I was in Chicago during a lot of the Derrick Rose stuff where <laughs> he was getting crushed for not playing through every single little thing. And he got killed for his, you know, saying, oh, I want to be able to walk at my kid's graduation. You should. You're a dad. You should yeah. want to walk at your kid's graduation. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Yeah. No, it's it's a weird situation. The Kawhi thing, the Kawhi thing is legitimately weird, though, because like it yeah. seemed it's. Just because it's, it seems like there are people, you know, the, like the Spurs people, like clearly it's the Spurs people that are leaking to whoever that he's. Yeah. That, that he's ready to play, but then like, he's got his own people and then he's like going to New York and it's just, it's, it's, it's a whole thing. I think there's something going on there, but I also think that like, it's going to end up being fine. I mean, it's a spurt. He's I, gonna, I have no comment. I fully, <laughs> I fully guess that he, they are going to offer him the super max this summer and it's going to be too much money for him to turn down. Can't turn it down. And then it's going to be, I mean, LaMarcus Aldridge wanted to trade in June and he signed an extension in September. Yeah. Like that, that is the wonders of RC Buford and Greg Pop. Yeah. I think that's kind of where it, where it all sits. But coming back to Portland here in, in the Spurs game, and this has kind of become a trend now. Um, CJ McCollum at the beginning of the year carried the season for the Blazers while Dame struggled to kind of ramp it up. Yeah. And then Dame got rolling, and, man, CJ fell off a cliff from what we expect from CJ McCollum. I mean, I've, I've talked about it over the last couple of years. Outside of, of, of Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, I see CJ as the best pure shooter in the entire league. He's, he's the guy that can literally shoot from all levels. The numbers back it up. Yeah. So for so when we talk about he goes into a shooting slump, it's not like, oh, he's an average shooter now. Like, when he goes into a slump, he slumps hard. Like, he's like, what, what, so what are his numbers? You, you have yeah, over the last him. 10 games, he's shooting 41.9%. From the field? Which, what for CJ, is just not good. And what are, that's the big one. From three, 25.4 on six attempts a game. Which isn't just, like... Remember, you know, beginning of the season, Steph Curry was shooting like 36% from three. Everybody's like, oh, what's wrong with Steph Curry? He's only shooting 36%. No, 25 is is like legit bad. Yeah. And for him to be able to get to his spots and take his shots, 
because he doesn't get to the free throw line, that three-point shot is exponentially more valuable because he's a guy who is a 20-point-per-game scorer. We've talked about this a million times. He's got one of the lowest free throw rates in NBA history. Like, that's, that's not hyperbole. That's not exaggeration. The dude doesn't get to the line, and that's just not part of his game. And I think they're, again, kind of hinting at injuries here. He had some feet issues when he came in the league. I think part of his deal for not getting to the free throw line is I don't need to put my body in harm's way to get my, my buckets. But so the, let me do it out here. But the problem with that is then that if he's going through a shooting slump like he is right now, because he's such a deadly weapon when he's shooting well, and then if the shot's not falling, he doesn't have that. Because, like, yep. you know, a guy like, you know, James Harden, for example, or even Dane, like, if the shot isn't falling, they can still attack and they, they can still get to the line. To and that runs. makes them more effective because they are able to score in a bunch of other ways. With CJ, like, when his shot isn't going, it's, you know, he, he you, he's not nearly as effective. And I feel like the Blazers, like, because, you know, you were talking about that crazy, like, two-month stretch of the season or basically, like, when they had the winning streak and all yeah. that. It's because Dame and CJ were going at the same time. Like, at the beginning of the season, Dame struggled a little bit, and CJ was – and, you know, lately, you know, the last 10 games or so, Dame has been going off, and Dame has been doing Dame things and, you know, continuing to play like an MVP candidate. And then uh, CJ has been struggling. When both of them are hitting their shots, like, at the same time, then it's they're, they're nearly unbeatable. They're pretty hard to beat. Yeah, I mean, especially because you know they have these other like, they have like a Minu and they have Harkless when he's healthy. They have like Evan Turner. They, they have, have, yeah, they have other guys, guys around who can, it's, who, can it's a tough. who can score around him, and they, that's why they're so effective. But you know when one of Dame or CJ isn't scoring, there's only so much the other guy can do to completely carry. And you pull a Harkless out, you pull an Ed Davis out because the Blazers rely on right, him. right, right. And as we're recording this, we we now know that Ed's active tomorrow for the Denver game, so that's that's a huge boon. So getting him back in the fold will be great. Um, is Zach Collins going to win a playoff game? No. <laughs> no. You, you just have to, have to set Dan up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everybody, on, whether it's on Blazers Outsiders and Shane and Joe trolling me, we're here on Blazers Edge, I'm getting trolled by Dave now, too. But back to the free throw thing for CJ, though, because this, this is important because CJ doesn't get to line. And normally, and we, well, Tara and I talked about this for the past couple weeks, is one, I had a listener ask if CJ was overrated. I don't think CJ is overrated. I think he's properly rated as one of the best second options that you can find. He would be overrated if people were saying, oh, he has a case for MVP. Then yeah. he'd be overrated. He's generally seen as, even though he hasn't made an all-star team, because he's an, all-star, so, he's an, all-star. He's an all-star level contributor. Yeah. Like I think that's generally what people see him as. That's what he is. I, yeah, I think properly rated is the way it is. Exactly. But when he falls off, because he has not necessarily holes, but he goes about his scoring in different ways... When he becomes less effective and less efficient, it becomes so much more glaring. So he's getting the line 2.3 times per game over the last 10 games, mm-hmm. which, I mean, Nurkic is getting the line two and a half times. So we're, we're not talking about getting right. the line a whole lot here. Here's the problem. CJ, who was a 91% free throw shooter last year, is shooting 78% from the line. He's dropped some clutch free throws. He's dropped some clutch shots this year. His clutch performance has been not good this year. And in contrast to last year, that's... That's crazy because he's one of the best clutch performers in the league last year. So, it, it, I don't know about you guys, at least for me, I'm beginning to get ever so worried about CJ. And this is the first time in his tenure as a starter where I've ever had any kind of pause about CJ. Well, where, are you, where are you guys sitting at him with right now? Well, you know, I mean, Russell Westbrook is also having a rough free throw shooting year. And, I, I, and with Russ, I do think it's... Um, the chain, the rule change, where the guys can't leave the circle because mm-hmm, it's and, part of his routine, right? Part of his routine. I think it's messed him up a little bit. Not to mention the bulky knee. Uh, but with CJ, I can't remember. Did he have any kind of weird thing with his routine? Like, I mean, you know, this is what I know of. This is where I think this is that putting the coach's hat on, right? It, for a guy to drop off that much, there's got to be something. It's either physical or it's mental, mental. right? Um, and so I. Uh, I don't think there's a mental block with his shot, you know? Um, so I wonder if maybe it's something physical. Maybe he's been working around something all year. I don't know. Which, I mean, that's not out of the realm of possibilities. Right. I mean, we, we, I've talked about this a million times, Sean. You, you've covered the league. Yeah. Portland is a team that I, I don't know of many other teams that guard their medical stuff more. Well, in the current era, you know, yeah. back in like the Roy Odin years, it was a totally different thing. But right yeah. now, right now, but right now, I think they're kind of overcorrecting from how much of a disaster that whole year was yeah. with the medical stuff. And that, yeah, they they don't leak stuff. Like you don't like. We, we talked about this last week. The Mo Harkless thing was like black ops. 
Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, not like it was Mo has a bulky knee and he's, he's fighting through it. Now he has an MRI and he's flying back to Portland. Like, how did you sneak off and get an MRI? And nobody knew about that. So maybe maybe that's something that's, that's keen maybe. on CG. Maybe it's a bad wheel. Maybe it's a bad back. Not, not to could throw be, anything out. Could be, I mean, it could be a million be anything, different right. things. Yeah. Um, it's not something that we see manifest itself out there readily available. Right. I mean, but a 12-point drop-off, it's pretty huge. Yeah. And for a guy who's a shooter, great shooter. So that that bothers me at this time of the year how with how important this stretch run is. And Adam Morris, who um, covers Denver Nuggets, Stiffs. Denver Stiffs, the, the editor-in-chief there and good friend, um, he hit me up on Twitter right as we were sitting down to record and we were kind of discussing how we were going to go about this podcast. And he asked the perfect question. How confident are you in your team right now? Where, where, where are you sitting on this one, Dave? And, and uh, say your team is the Portland Trailblazers sure, sure. and not the San Antonio Spurs. <laughs> My confidence level in the in in the regular season, uh, <laughs> Portland Trailblazers is pretty high. They've, they've been great. Um, the, the Dame. Well, we injury. need to clarify what are we what are we talking about with right. confidence? Are we talking about the next three days with these two games they have left to win? Well, let's talk about team? the rest of the season. Then okay. We'll talk about the playoffs. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'm, Dame has been incredible. All year, um, he's had an MVP type of season in in a season full of them. I mean, there have been. I mean, I don't know if you guys have looked. There are a lot of guys that have been doing crazy stuff. There's five, at year. least five legit MVPs. Absolutely, and, and, then, and Harden's going to win it, right? But there are guys where if they get a second or third place vote, but they're number five on the list, you're not going to be like, how the hell did he get a second right. place vote? Yeah. Like if somebody threw Dame a second place vote because he takes his team to 50 wins, nobody's going to find out about that. No. Um, I'd probably be fourth. Yeah, I, I have him third or but, fourth, depending on the week. But he's been he's been incredible all year, and there's no reason to to think that if healthy, Dame isn't going to beat Dame the next couple games and in the playoffs. Um, so my confidence level in Dame is extremely high, extremely high. But everybody else is Mo going to be able to come back mm-hmm. and shoot? Is Aminu going to going to be able to shoot? Is Evan Turner going to play like he's played lately? Evan Turner's been pretty good lately. Nurk's another one. He's been phenomenal defensively. He's been up and down all year, but lately, like during this, you know, this last couple of months, when they had the winning streak. Like he's just been so good. He's defensively. Near like sixteen and eleven offensively. Is he going to be able to? Is he going to be able to keep that up in a whole play in a playoff series? Right. And so those because this are is my... his first real playoff series, right? Because right? he had what sixty or thirteen minutes against the Warriors. Yeah. When he yeah, came yeah. In that game. And they were never going to win that series. No. But that's that's where uh, my concerns start to come in. It's around. It's around Dame. I mean, which is everyone's concern. I mean, you know, uh, it, it's it's funny that billboard says that Dame needs a third option, right? <laughs> Shout out to the guys at Trailblazer. Yeah. Shout out to Trailblazer. And, and it's not wrong. It is actually, I know they meant it as a joke, but it's well, actually. I, I wrote the article Blazers Edge two right. years ago. Yeah. Can Maurice Harkless or Alan Crabb be the Blazers' third option? Right. And that's a pretty dire like question to be asking. Yeah. <laughs> because it was like it was at that point where, where Kravitz signed the deal. Yeah. And like can you and Harkless had signed the deal and like can they be that guy? Yeah. Right. And it, I ended up going with Harkless. So <laughs> let's you know where my confidence level was in Alan Crab. Um what about you, Sean? Like where where do you sit on a confidence level for these for these guys for the rest of the year? I think they'll get one of these next two games. It would be helpful if it was the Utah one so they can for sure stay in the three. But yeah. I think they'll I think they'll get one of these next two. Just so we're clear, Adam Morris says that the, the Nuggets have no chance of winning tomorrow. Okay. But Adam, 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 Adam's Nugget, much of a pessimist. Nuggets, Nuggets Twitter seems pretty pessimistic in yeah. general. Like Matt Moore, TJ McBride, and Harrison <laughs> Wind, all those dudes. Shout out to all those dudes. Those yeah. are some great Nuggets media. But they all seem like they're pretty pessimistic that this team is going to be able to put it together. They, I can sympathize. Which, I mean, like, they, they, were, they were spiraling for a while. And then this last they week. They were out of it. Remember, two weeks ago, right, they yeah, were yeah. done. And then, and then this past week, they kind of put it together a little bit. They had that big win over the Timberwolves the other mm-hmm. day. Uh, like they, you know, they they put it together a little bit, but I I can see how you know if you're if you're somebody who covers that team or is a fan of that team, you can feel like eh, this is only going to last so long. All right. So speaking of closing out the season and wrapping those games up, where do you put the probability on them landing and getting the three seed? I think they're going to have the three seed. I, I think they're going to either beat beat Denver or beat Utah. Um, is there is there a scenario where they win both? I could see it. it wouldn't shock me. I, I think they have a better chance against Denver than Utah for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I th- actually, you know what? I think they get Utah at home. Um, Utah on a back to back too. They play. Yeah. They play Golden State the night before in Utah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think they, they. I think 
And they're going to need that. They may need that game if they want that force. But the Warriors are also going to be resting everybody because right. they don't care. At this Utah's point. going to beat the Warriors. Um, I, if I, if you know what, I, I'll say that they'll lose to Denver because they're going to Denver. I'll say they lose to Denver and then they beat Utah Wednesday to close the season. Yeah, I mean, really, none of these scenarios would shock me. I think they'll I think they'll win one of these two, and I think that'll be enough to get the three. Okay. All right. So confidence level on this team going into the playoffs. Again, it's those injury, the injury stuff, and can these guys actually perform the way that they have recently, right? Like, can Evan Turner be as productive as he has been? Yeah, can his, you know, Speaking of injuries, Evan, Evan I, I took a look at his IG. He was icing his ridiculous cut that he had above his eye last night with actual ice. And by ice, I mean the giant iced-out necklace he took off his, off his neck and held to his eyebrow. Because that's what Evan Turner does. Well, he's talking on the money phone. Is that? I think it was. And he said he was going to be back back to normal real quick because he had a lot of ice on it. Because it's right. an ice joke. Um, well, hopefully, uh, you know, he, he can he can perform as well as he has. You know, um, I, I just think, you know, again, it's all about the guys that are not Dame. Can they step up? Can they help Dame? He needs the help. Can CJ, can CJ shoot? Can he get back on track and be CJ? Because if like not, that, I think we're all at the point now. I think we're, we're all in agreement at least that Dame's going to do Dame things, right? Right? Like he's going to find a way, even if he has a bad shooting night, he'll run the team and and generate points at the free throw line if he has to. Like he will do whatever it takes to deliver night in and night out. I think it, it, this is you want to talk from my hot take because I don't ever do them. I think Nurkic is really going to deliver in the playoffs. I think he's. I think he number one. We're talking about getting the bag. He's got to get the bag. He's he's if he wants to get full allocation of the bag, he's got to show up here. He absolutely, positively has to show up. And now, if you're making decisions off of a playoff series or two as a, an executive, you're doing it wrong. But you can't underpay a guy when he shows up big time. Right, I agree. So I think that he's going to deliver because if you look at Yusuf Nurkic and when when they've asked him to be that guy to really show up and really deliver. And when the, the pomp and the circumstance and everything's there for him, like he's he's like a WWE character. Like the more showmanship you give him and the brighter the light you cast on him, the bigger he is, the bigger he shows up. So I, I think that's gonna be playoff time. I think playoff Nurkic is gonna be a real thing, which at least for me is cool. I, I, that, that's that's the new kind of development I see coming. The rest of the guys, I mean, I have, I've had people ask, you know, is Wade Baldwin going to be in the rotation? Is Zach Collins going to be in the rotation? I'm just like, uh, it depends is, on who's healthy. Who's healthy? And remember, this is Coach Dots. Right. With Zach, it's going to depend Listen. on if Ed Davis. And if, we, if, if Davis is back, Collins might just, he might just decide, even though he's been playing him lately and he's looked all right, he might just decide playoffs. I'm not ready to throw a rookie out there. Exactly. It, if, if Wade Baldwin's in the rotation, you got bigger problems. Yeah than if Wade Baldwin's in the rotation, right? Like, I mean, you've got some major issues going on if he's going to be in the rotation. That's kind of where I'm getting to with the confidence level because Coach Thoughts, I love him. I think he's one of the top five coaches in the league. Um, he, he's, he's that dude. But he doesn't trust young guys. Never has. Never. I don't think he ever will. And I think there's probably a rhyme or reason behind that because very rarely will a young guy deliver. Now, obviously, you weren't talking young guys and point guards in Utah. I think that's a guy who can deliver. But – Beyond that, eh. but speaking of top five coaches, wanted to get you got your guys' takes on this coach of the year because Terry Stotts' name has been mentioned. I think he's in the conversation, and we we were talking about this before we went on air. You know, it seems like there's five guys that are kind of in the conversation. You can order them any way you want. I would personally lean towards Casey, just because I mean the way that he's been able to kind of. You know, they've gotten this reputation of playing a certain way in the last few years where they've had this run, you know, with this group. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the fact, you know, he's been able to completely reinvent how they play and then also work in all these young guys like Van Vliet and Pirtle and Siakam. Like, Make them viable. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think I would, and, you know, for them to get the one seed, and I know the East isn't the West, but for, you know, still getting the one seed, like, you know, that's still pretty impressive. I, I would kind of lean towards Casey, but, you know, I think Stotts has a case. I think Brad Stevens has a case for how many injuries the Celtics have dealt with, especially losing Hayward five minutes into the season and they go on that win streak. I think he's got to be up there. I think Nate McMillan has to be in the conversation because, like, no way anybody thought Indiana was going to do what they're doing. 
this year. And so if you want to talk about he's like, my dark horse, doing the, if you want to talk, if you want to talk about doing the most with you know the least amount of expectation, the least amount of talent, I think you know McMillan has to be in there, and then Quinn Snyder's the other one. Yeah, it was, we're sitting here thinking, I was like, you know who we're forgetting in this? Brett Brown. Yeah. Agree, agree. Yeah, it, the, the Sixers are going to win fifty games. And you know what's I'm crazy? I'm so happy for him, by the way, because he he's going to no matter what he does, look, the rest of his coaching career is going to have is going to be gonna, a negative win. Well, it's going to be right, so all right, bad. because because of this of this situation for his first four years of his head coaching career, where because the orga- because the organization was trying to was trying to lose. Like, there's no you know, you know it's not his fault that they lost all those games because that was the plan. But the, those those numbers that that win loss record still goes on his record. So now for him. I'm glad they kept him around long enough for them to for him to see the payoff from the process and all these years of losing. And it seems like they're committed to him long term and they're going to keep him around. Yeah, I think one of the really interesting things about a lot of these guys that we're talking about, uh, Snyder, Casey, uh, Brett Brown, Stevens, look at some of the guys in their starting lineup. Donovan Mitchell, rookie. Mm-hmm. OG Ananobi, rookie. And, and, Toronto's defense has been fantastic because of Anunoby, because, right? because OG's been fantastic right. for them. Uh, Stevens has been playing. I mean, Jalen Brown, second-year player, Tatum, Jason Tatum, Tatum, Tatum all year. Like, year. Before he got hurt, Daniel Tice. Right, yeah. Tice. Uh, that, to me, is... Speaks to the coaching. Right, it's pretty incredible. And so, like, that's I mean, where... If you want to go even in thoughts, I mean, Collins... He's come around. Here's the thing. I've bagged on Collins plenty. He's not as talented as those other guys. No, I don't think so either. Yeah. But, I mean, the guy that we saw at Summer League, that was one of the worst players I think I'd ever, ever seen it was at pretty Summer brutal. League. I mean, and that's not to throw shade at the kid because I hope he does well. But it was bad. Like, it was it was to the point where it was almost sad. <laughs> like, you kind of felt bad for him. So, like, if you're talking about, like, how much he's grown from there till now, that's huge. Because he's had nights where he's been a, a big-time contributor. I mean, on the national stage – Last week, you know, he had the thirteen-point quarter. I mean, he, so he's he's had some good games, but I think again, like one more guy that I think deserves like at least an honorable mention in this conversation for for coach of the year is Alvin Gentry, keeping you know keeping the Pelicans competitive. I mean, I don't know how much of it was Davis and how much of it was Gentry, but you know, Boogie Cousins goes down. There's you know, I, I kind of thought they were finished. I thought there was no Who way they were going to make the playoffs. Well, I, I, thought thought I thought he was going to get fired this summer, well, right? Yeah. And, and so, now probably not. I, you know, I think he's done a great job with that team. Well, I mean, it's kind of funny if you look at these guys. Half of them, probably in December, you figured would get fired. Stotts was on that list. Yeah. Uh, McMillan was on that list I early on when they were struggling. A lot of people thought Casey was going to get fired during the summer. Yep. Especially with uh, with Masai saying that we needed a whole culture reset. Yep. Um, and that's why I, I picked Casey because it's it, and it's it's rare that a coach gets to do this to reinvent himself on the fly. You know, Greg Popovich has made a great career out of being able to do that. Uh, he has the luxury to do that. Because Most he has coaches. that institutional support. Right. It. And and I think what Masai is trying to do is establish the same thing there. Casey's a good coach. And and you know he's a good coach. The players respect him. Because otherwise, how do you get Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan to buy in at this point in their career? And then, you right, and then you had guys like Ibaka who, like, he was playing for a contract last year. Like, you know, they, they get these other guys, like – and then, and then at the same time, you know, all these young guys, uh, you know, are contributing to the point where the veterans, like, respect. Like, there's a whole lot of relationships that you have to manage. And the fact that Casey, I mean, like you were saying just now, Dave, uh, you know, he's been playing a certain way. He's been with the Raptors, what, this is his sixth year with the Raptors? Yeah, so like year. he was. So he's, uh, you know, he they play a certain way his whole, the whole time he's there. And then for him to say, okay, we're just going to, you know, we need to do this. I'm not so set in my ways that I'm going to just go ahead and reinvent how we play. That's cool. Like, and, and then that, I think that speaks to, you know, his adaptability, his versatility. And I think I would lean towards him for coach of the year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'm probably falling in the same spot. I, I want to get it to, first of all, I think the most deserving candidate, because I think sometimes like pop, not winning it for multiple years. I, I know they don't, it's going to go down in his side. I don't know how many times pop has won coach of the year. He's won like two of them. Yeah. And that's, it's the kind of thing like, you know, Shaq only won one. MVP. Yeah. It, like, Exactly. It's 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 one of those things. that's just stupid. Like I want to see it go to the deserving candidate, and, yeah. and I think Casey's probably the front runner. And if Stotts or Snyder or Brown or McMillan or again like the MVP vote, Brad Stevens, even. Brad Stevens, like if they're getting second, third, fourth place votes, however you you see fit, yeah, I don't think anybody should really complain. Right, and it's funny because we're actually mentioning a lot of coaches for having great seasons, mm-hmm. but a lot of coaches are getting 
hand this offseason. It is going to be a blood. We were talking about this last night. Yeah. The amount of openings are going to be. Well, so how many? So what, so what are we thinking? Just off, just off top. So Bucks, Knicks, I think Horta Six gone. Yep. Yep. Malone's probably gone if Denver doesn't make the playoffs. There's Triano Fe- still in the right. Phoenix. Uh, any interim coach. So yeah. Memphis. Um, Phoenix will be open. Right. Orlando. Orlando. Gonna, I think Bogle's gone. gone. Lando might be open. Um, I. Chicago went the other way. Right. I think Hoiberg. I think Hoiberg's safe. Yeah, yeah. he's good. Uh, so uh, is Budenholzer, obviously. Uh, yeah. But but he may be trying to get out of there. I don't know if but but. I don't think he wants to sit around in Atlanta and rebuild. Yeah. Apparently, he's interested in Milwaukee, just like every other coach. Who doesn't um, want to coach Giannis? I mean, seriously. I, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about uh, Scotty Brooks. What about Jaeger? I, you know, I, I don't think they're going to get rid of him yet. Um, I like him. I think. Yeah, I think he'll get next season. But like, I think Luke's safe. I, th- yes. They ran Lavar Ball off just yeah. so they yeah, I think they, safe. I think they made. I think they made their loyalties there pretty yeah. clear. I think um, Luke's okay. Doc might choose to leave. Yeah, oh. because that that's that's up in the air. And the crazy thing is, like, they're going to bring us back to the, the Blazers' perspective. This is the conversation we were having about Portland in December, right? Like, that's that's crazy to go four months later, and we're talking about Stotts as coach of the year. Like, that's that's. Well, that's I mean, I think it was always go. it was always a little bit of scapegoating back in December. I've never thought oh, Stotts was the problem. Not a little bit. It was all. I mean, the fact that they had to put out the, the, the question basically is it the coach or isn't the roster? I mean, and there was, and then there was the report that you know when Dame uh, met with Paul Allen back mm-hmm. in what December or January that uh, that was uh, you know that he gave Stotts a strong vote of confidence. Like they put that out there on purpose, basically to make to send a message to ownership, like don't fire this guy. Yeah, no, I mean. When you're when you're getting to that point, it's it's just nuts. So we'll kind of wrap it up with this. This is the question that I asked last week, and I want to ask you guys too because I think this is pretty poignant as far as where they sit. Do the Blazers have to win a first round series for this season to be a success? Yes, I think so. Yes, I think there's no reason not to expect that they're going to be a top four seed. They're going to have home court advantage. They've played, you know, outside of Houston and Golden State. I think they've been as good all year as any team has in the Western Conference. Like in that whole mix. There's no, re- I mean, you know, they have a guy like Dame who's an MVP candidate, or at least they're ticking enough of the boxes in that conversation. You, you know, this should be like nobody thinks this team is actually a title contender because the only two of those in the West are Houston and Golden State. But other than that, I think outside of those two, because like they're in their own sphere, out of the other teams in the playoff mix, I think the Blazers have the most credentials and the most, you know, boxes that they, like you said, boxes that they've ticked off for how their season has gone. So I think it's reasonable to say, yeah, they're the best team in the West outside of Houston and Golden State. They should win a playoff series. I think they have to. This group needs it. It's a necessary step in the growth process. Right, because, right? like, they want, they want, like, they beat the Clippers a couple years ago because, like, the entire Clippers team was injured. Like, yeah. that, I almost don't even count that. Like, you get it how you can, there, but I almost, like, with Chris and Blake both out that year, like, Reddick was banged up. Like, I feel like yeah. this is, like, whoever they play this time, like, assuming Jimmy Butler's healthy, if they get the Wolves, Whoever they play this time, it's not going to be, oh, they won their first round series because the other team had a bunch of guys injured. Or because like even, the, even if they match up with the Pelicans and they had Boogie, you, you're still looking at Portland being favored. Well, I, would think, I would think so, but even even like it's almost not fair. Like, you know, Boogie, yes, Boogie's out, but the Pelicans have played great since he's been mm-hmm. out, so it's not like they lost him two weeks ago and they're trying to figure exactly. out. They, they've, they've not had him for three months. They, they know how to play without him. Like, I think any series that they, that they get, it would be a fair fight because both teams are going to have – for all intents and purposes, all their guys healthy. Yeah. And so because the Blazers, I think, have had the best season, they have all these credentials for any team outside of Golden State and Houston, you you know, you should look at them as the favorites. And so if they do would not the win a series, should if be. they don't win a series, I think it is fair to say it's disappointing. I think if they don't win a series, um, you know, it, it, it's time to start looking at the group and seeing what you need to change. And See, it's not just me. I, like, because listen, man, like... <laughs> Stagnation is a real thing. Yeah, it is. Because we talk about how great the Blazers' continuity is that all these guys are coming back and they all buy into stocks. But I, how, how much does that mean? Well, right. And I, saw, I, saw, keep I saw this in Chicago uh, the year. These, I mean, obviously, this came with a coaching change. But, like, you know, they when they fired Thibodeau, brought in Hoiberg, they kept the roster basically exactly the same. And then you had, you know, these guys like, you know, Jimmy Butler and Joakim Noah and Taj Gibson and Pau Gasol and Derek Rosen, all these guys that had been together for five or however many years. And you could kind of tell that whole year that they were all just sick of being around each other. Mm-hmm. So you, what, what Neil O'Shea is going to have to do this summer, whether they win this first-round series and whether they make a deep playoff run or whether they get eliminated in the first round, 
he's going to have to walk this line of wanting to keep as much of this group together as possible so you keep that continuity but not have it go in the other direction where who's it just gets to each stay. Other, who's not. And then, right, exactly. And that's not a shot again at anybody on this team or on any team. It's like where you work today yeah, in the regular gonna, day That's going to happen. There are people that you love today that in a couple of years you will not want to be around for long yeah. periods these of time. professional relationships run their course. It yeah. happens. It's not an indictment of any of these guys. No. And, you know, I would think that Dame is, you know, a, enough of a leader that, like, and a good enough at related yeah. to guys, and so is Stotts, that, you know, they can make anything work. But, you know, you, you see this happen. You see guys, you know, relationships run their course. Maybe Stotts decides, you know, Dame, maybe Dame decides, like, Stotts, you know, he kind of wants to do something else at a certain point in a few mm-hmm. years. Like, this stuff happens. I think for right now, this continuity is great, but I'm, I'm worried that in a few years it's going to get stale. Yeah, so the next move in this evolution is when see, this when this series and make the evaluation process right. like the next rung on the ladder you're right like, okay um, here's what do. now it's, now it's like okay now we legitimately have won a first round series without like the help of everybody on the team being injured now what do we do to try to get ourselves into that golden state houston tier of actual contenders? yeah so you, now this is the ter- they're, they're tertiary if, right now if and i know you'll be talking about this you know once they're out of the playoffs um if they lose in the first round the CJ McCollum trade. No, oh, it's gonna is, just it's, crank the stove because it's it's that's all anybody. Really I still lean about. against it, but I do too. But but the conversations are gonna happen. Right? No, that's what I mean, and that's not that's not that's not to say that you're saying it. But yeah, the trades more likely are more viable, but the talk will be they can't get it done, and I think yeah. that and again that's why earlier we were talking about like for the first time at least in my tenure covering this team. CJ's drop off in production and performance over the last couple weeks in these these kind of weird peaks and valleys that he's had this season where he's been like capping consistency for the for the most part throughout his career worries me a little bit because it it cracks the door on that conversation. It's kind of funny coming from me, the guy who's been talking about trading CJ since he became a starter. So I, I get the irony, folks, but okay, I can't. I wanted to wrap on that, but Rick Cameron just put out a tweet that we have to talk about real quick. 2017 NBA draft, he put out his best pick, worst pick, first and second round steal, overrated, underrated. So best pick, Donovan, Donovan Mitchell. Worst pick, Luke Kennard. First round steal, Kuzma. Second round steal, Brooks. Overrated, Zach Collins. Underrated, John Collins. Is Zach Collins overrated? Like, I, don't I mean, think is so. it just just because of where he was drafted? I don't feel like I there's. Think that's the, I think uh, that's I don't feel like I don't feel like there's a whole lot of oh, John Collins is or Zach Collins is awesome buzz that like that it, that is unwarranted. I feel like people just kind of look at look at Zach Collins and say yeah, you know, he's, he's pretty good for a rookie. Like like, and I feel like that's fair. Yeah. I don't think he's overrated. Yeah, I, I don't know about that. Um, but John Collins doesn't get enough buzz, but no. that's because he plays in Atlanta and they're terrible. Yeah. Uh, what was the other one? I so you you had first round steal was Kuzma. I don't think anybody's going to disagree. Worst with that. pick. No. I don't think Kennard was the Kennard's worst. Kennard's all pick. right. He's an okay player. This guy's a rotation player as a rookie. Who was the worst pick in the in the, in the draft? So the thing is, this is such a good. It's a great draft. Depth wise, it's been really good. Um, so like, there, like there's so many guys. Like there's like there's like 20 guys from this draft that you can look at and say that's a rotation player. Yeah, right? I mean maybe Patton, but we haven't seen him yet. Right? Yeah, you, I feel like you have to you have to just kind of let the let. Except he, he, a guy gets a, who's, he gets a right. flyer. If a guy, right. if a guy's been hurt, like Harry Giles, to me, might have been the best pick in the draft, but we won't know for like three years. What about like Justin Jackson? See, but I, he's not a bad player, and no, they got him at fifteen. That's let me, not a let, bad me pull, pick. let me pull up the actual. I would say it's probably like what DJ Wilson. No, see, but it, again, that's another thing. It's just like I think DJ he's he's shown some flashes. Um, yeah, I'm not you sure, know, I, man. Darren Fox has been great, but I still am a huge believer in him. Uh, me too. And, but, you know, as far as if you're comparing uh, uh, it in a way that's like just about Looking this at season, this thing, it's like, I mean, Bam, I Bam's been good. Everybody's been good. What yeah. about, except for, I mean, Zach Foles Collins has been had better. And, but, and then yeah, Foles. Terrence Ferguson hasn't played much, but he's. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, it kind of lets you know what, like, how good this draft has been. It's been really good. Like, it's, it's the, the ones that have been, quote unquote, bad or disappointing, there's almost. Always extenuating circumstances. Right. So Markel Fultz obviously had the injury. And Fultz has looked great. Jonathan Isaac injury. I agree that I agree that Mitchell is the best pick. I think Tatum also should be in that discussion because of how good he's been as a rookie. Yeah. We haven't seen much of Jonathan Isaac because he was hurt, but I think he's going to be real good. Yeah. Especially if they play him at center. Uh. Yeah. 
Markkanen has been great. Uh, Markkanen's been a lot better than I thought he was going to be when they drafted him. Natilakina, I think, is all right. Up and once, down. Yeah. Once, he, once he gets a coach that actually is willing to give him minutes, which yeah. Hornacek hasn't. And, you know, and Natilakina Nil- already is a, a really damn good defender. Yeah. yeah. So OG's been good. Jared Allen's been good. Like, yeah. I mean, so I mean, this draft has been... I, I think... Look, this is a, a deep great draft. draft. I, I'm looking at, at the responses to Kamla. Like there are like there are some guys that like you can look at and say either they've been injured like Justin Patton or they haven't shown a ton yet. But there's nobody that you're gonna look at and say, oh, that's Darko. That's like a complete bust. Right. right. That's like there's there's no there's no Hashim Thabit in this draft. Yeah. It, this might be the draft that has the the most NBA rotation players. It may not have I feel like, like a ton of superstars, but right. it's got a ton of talent. I feel like 2015 was pretty good, or at least it looked good at the time. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree. Well, because I mean, okay, Towns, good. Russell, good. Okafor, I, see, see, this is the thing. Like a lot of guys are like I thought we're gonna be like I guess Okafor, like Hazonia. I'm still a believer in Hazonia, but like you have like Moutier. But, but, but you know, then you got this run like Willie Cauley Stein's rotation player. Stanley Johnson's been better this year. Kaminsky is a rotation player. Winslow's been good this year. Miles Turner's great. Trey Lyles been pretty good in Denver. Devin Booker. Cameron, yeah, I'm going to throw out Cameron Payne, whatever. Like, <laughs> like, sorry, Cameron. But sorry, even, sorry. But, but I mean, when you're comparing drafts, I mean, it's it's been pretty decent. Now, like, this is all solid. <laughs> I, I've been plenty tough on Collins. I, I don't know if I'm going to call him overrated in the sense of production and what was expected of him. If you want to say overrated based on draft position, according to guys that were selected around him, while I'm probably on that side of the fence, I think it's a little bit more fair. Right, right. I mean, you can definitely say that he was drafted too early, but... I, I think he's properly rated. People people hammered him when he was bad, and since he's gotten better, people have said, "Oh wow, he's gotten better." Yeah. I, I yeah. just think I don't know. It's, it's I don't know, but but it is what it is. Uh, you know, and again, he may also be biased just because of the stuff that he takes in. You know, he probably listens to a lot of Legends Edge podcasts. Yeah, well, <laughs> who doesn't? Yeah, who doesn't? Shout out to who was this? Rick Campbell. Okay, Rick Campbell. I made TV. All right, final predictions. Four. Blazers in the playoffs. Okay. How far do they go? Well, the matchup is let, so important. Let, let's let's say Parkos is back, so they're full health. Okay, so we'll full health. Do, you know, if they catch the Spurs, I think they're out in the first round. You really, you really think that they're going to struggle with the Spurs? Uh, I think the Spurs will beat them uh, in six. Four, two, because they're not, not, not the gentleman sweep. No, they'll beat them in six. Um, maybe seven. After last game. night, I'm starting to feel that way, too. Yeah. I'm a little worried. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I think I think if they catch the Spurs, the Spurs win. Uh, but they probably beat anyone else, any of the other bottom teams. So they probably beat OKC, Minnesota, Denver, or New Orleans. Um, but Spurs, that's the matchup I think everybody should want to avoid. Meaning, you know, like I, I, nobody should want the Spurs in the playoffs. Nobody, no. nobody. They're too good. Game to game adjustments are too good, um, and their defense is just. Absolutely insane. As the Blazers can attest to. Which is crazy to think about since they don't even have Kawhi. But uh, DeJounte Murray, Danny Green, and LaMarcus Aldridge um, have just been incredible. And Kyle Anderson's been great. So, anyway, um, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. I, I think that they beat anybody who's not the Spurs in the first round. What about you, Sean? Where are you sitting at? I think they, if assuming they've got everybody healthy, I think they do get out of the first round. And then I think they... Play Golden State tough and lose in six or seven in the second round. Okay, so that's kind of where I'm sitting at too. Because I think that if Golden State's nicked up yeah. and Portland's fully healthy, if Steph, well, depends. Is Steph playing or is he or is he just back and not 100? percent If he if Steph is outright not playing, I think they have a legit shot at winning that series. Oh yeah, the, that, if Steph's out completely, I think that changes the dynamic. But if Steph, but if series. Steph is back and let's say he's at like 70 or 80, yeah. percent I still think Golden State ultimately wins that series. But but it's it a be, puncher's chance. But it's but it would be more competitive if Steph is back fully healthy. They lose in five. Yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree because that's still. For all the people that want to throw shade at the Warriors, they're still the freaking Warriors. For the love of God, people call Especially yourselves. with Steph. Yeah. yeah. So, so we're going to go ahead and wrap it there. I want to thank Sean Hyken, Dave Dufour. Go ahead and shout out your stuff, gentlemen. Follow me on Twitter, at Hyken, at H-I-G-H-K-I-N. I do a lot of writing for Bleacher Report, other outlets. I Whatever I do, tweet. I'll tweet that out. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Dave Dufour NBA. You probably already do, though. Uh, I'm just I'm kidding. <laughs> if you don't, you should. Yeah, you should. Very, very good at Twitter. No, uh, I actually, I, I think I tweet some okay stuff. Um, and yeah, I always throw all my stuff on Twitter. So, um, you know, 
Check out your podcast on the NBA with Dave Dufour. I'm giving Sean, you better plugs than Sean, you want. Come yeah. on, man. Well, it's it's tough. We've talked about this yeah. before. It's hard, like, to plug your stuff. Um, you know, on the NBA with Dave Dufour. Actually, you know what? I got a really good podcast that I spent a lot of time on. That you're going to drop. Yeah, this is good. Talk, like, yeah. T- tell us about it. It's, Actually, talk yourself up. I it's like it. dropping uh, sometime overnight tonight. I don't know when this posts. Yeah. Tomorrow. Tomorrow morning. So yeah. go check it out. Even if, you know, I mean, give you a taste of what I try to do with the podcast. I recorded a two-part playoff preview east and west uh, split them up um with 17 different people uh dan was one of them and uh you know we just kind of i wanted to break down strengths and weaknesses and i did it i think in a unique way and whether people like it or not i had a lot of fun doing it i think everybody that participated had a lot of fun um and so yeah check that out that i actually am pretty proud of it and spent a lot of time working on it so good there you go yeah. Alright, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Dean Morang. You can also find me on Blazers Outsiders and we Sports Northwest on non-Blazer game nights during the season. We may have a few things coming your way for the playoffs. Maybe some more post-game action uh, following some playoff rounds and maybe a special guest. Special guest appearance. Dave will be in town for the week. So we're the reason we're we're here today to kind of kind of wrap this up is Hoop Summit's here, so a bunch of folks are in town. So Stay tuned for, for at least for me, at least from Dave, and I think Sean's going to be around. around I'll here. be around. So we'll probably be talking, tweeting, retweeting everybody's stuff as we come from different reactions and, and hot takes from Hoop Summit, and then we'll wrap some stuff up for the uh, the Blazers uh, postseason. RJ Barrett is a beast. Yeah. Man. We'll, we'll, he'll definitely be the talk of town along with all the Duck fans here, though. have some things to say about that but remember find us on itunes find us on stitcher as part of the almighty baller podcast network uh and i guess we'll go ahead and wrap it there see y'all later cool